a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, the the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more Uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? (laughs) If you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. (laughs) You know, some shows are better unheard. (laughs) <laughs> this might be one of those shows. I got I to gotta say something catchy that you can use on the bump for this next show, because that one's getting old. Yeah. It's even funny anymore. We, I met the guy. I met uh, Eric's ex-cathedra. Oh, speaking of ex-cathedra, the Pope just got elected. I think uh, Eric, ex, who had the book even more radical than more radical. Look, we're already on like phase five of the more radicals. Right. Most radical. More radical than most radical. <laughs> Who even knows where we are now? <laughs> By the way, oh, yeah, we got to announce something very important today. Do we? I forgot to tell you about this. <laughs> this, oh, show, this show today. Oh, why don't you tell everyone what we're doing? Well, I think it'd be easier to tell, tell everybody what we're not doing. Um, <laughs> we're not doing any games. Uh, see nothing useful, um, nothing entertaining. No, no. Don't just. No, I didn't explain the show in general. Explain this show, this episode. That's a, <laughs> okay, so we're not doing any games. We're not doing anything we useful. No, we are playing. We are doing the super game. We are doing the super. super see, I think it's a lack game. of game. The it's, games. <laughs> it's not just this. It's not just a game squared. This is a game cubed. We are playing name that game, which is where. One of us gives something to the other one, and then you have to figure out what game the other person is playing. No, no. That's, a, that's the greatest, dumbest idea no. ever. <laughs> but, before, but we're also going to do email, and also we are going to do buzzwords. And also, what was the other thing we were going to do? You had some great announcement. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that we are announcing now the guidelines for starting your own chapter of the Cult of Pure Doctrine. <laughs> you and your, your cult of pure doctrine. I'm washing my hands. There is no Rogue River chapter. Yeah, well, are, you, are you crazy? All right, here are the rules. I'm opening up the picture that I wrote down the rules. The, and, and, and it's not because it. there's a lack of pure doctrine in Rogue River. It's, it's the lack of the of uh, a willingness to join your ridiculous rules. The cult of pure doctrine, copyright, trademark. We'll get into this after we do the buzzwords. Okay. I'm excited yeah. about my buzzwords. All right, my theological buzz phrase for you is divine monergism. Um, this would stand at 
uh, contrast to synergism, which is the idea that man and God work uh, together, cooperate uh, in salvation. Uh, monergism is that there's one, mono, one actor uh, for salvation. And then the phrase divine monergism just addresses who that one actor is, uh, that being God. So that you, I suppose you could have monergism, but it's just, uh, you know, man working for salvation. So divine monergism, then that God is the sole uh, worker um, to now save uh, save human beings. Yeah, you want you want to hear a, a bit of a, a a thing about that? Where oh, sure. I get to this. It's on Twitter. Ah, yeah, here it is. Ready? Ready. Because yesterday I tweeted because <laughs> I'm a big Twitter. Follow me, B Wolfmuller. He's a big twit. <laughs> big twit. I tweeted. The whole reason I joined Twitter was to fight with Calvinists. I can't find any, and so I was deluged. By Calvinists. And here was one of the quotes that I was deluged with and I had to respond to. Ready? If at the moment of salvation, grace is resistible, those who are saved get credit for yielding. Synergism. Hmm. <laughs> Want it again? If at the moment of salvation, grace is resistible, those who are saved get credit for yielding. Synergism. So this is the Calvinist doctrine of irresistible grace, and it's saying that the denial of irresistible grace means that the person who is saved has yielded to God's mercy and therefore has something to do with their salvation, and that is a denial of divine monergism. So what did you respond to that twit? Our resisting is exactly what God's grace converts. (laughs) Nice. I don't know what else to say. I mean, so little does our will have to do with conversion that it is precisely our will that is converted. I mean, that's the whole point. Our will can't have anything to do with conversion because the will is the object of conversion. It is the thing that God is converting in conversion. (laughs) So it seems like there would have to be something there that can resist if it's going to be converted. Indeed. All right. Good. Nice. I like it. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I got a buzzword for you. Ready? Ready. The Pope. <laughs> okay. I got I to gotta read something here. I opened up my Concordia Cyclopedia, published by CPH in the year 1927. And we love and it CPH. Has a little, I love CPH. It has a little paragraph here called Primacy of the Pope. The whole fabric of the Roman Church rests on the doctrine of the primacy of Peter and his successors. The following claims are made, that Jesus appointed Peter head of the church and conferred on him the primacy or sovereign authority over the other apostles, or apostles, that Peter was the first bishop of Rome, that his successors in that office are also successors in the primacy of the church. A break in any one of these links is fatal to the pretensions of Rome. All three, however, break under the strain of careful examination. Then it has some examination there. Then, but here's the conclusion of this section. So unlimited and all-embracing are all his powers that the Roman Church is only an appendage to him, and that he clearly answers the description given Second Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4, the man of perdition. Now, I'll tell you, uh, this is true, and um, so this um, is kind of important, because we Lutherans say this thing about the Pope that sounds incredibly, incredibly rude and offensive, until you go and read what the Pope says about himself. And the thing that we say is that the Pope is the Antichrist. And that, again, I will concede to you that that sounds horrendously rude, Uh, until you go and actually see what the Pope says about himself. So, anyway. So, uh, for someone um, holding to the theology which you just just cited there, it would seem unlikely then that a uh, uh, confessional Lutheran would then, you know, bless... 
or ask God's rich blessings upon, uh, like the new pope, for example. Well, sure, you could pray that. That would be great. But that is a prayer for repentance. I mean, it's a prayer that the pope would repent mm. and be the not pope. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So the, the here, refrain here, that the so Pope here, would become a Lutheran, then, right? Right. Here's the quotes. Uh, furthermore, we declare, we proclaim, we define that it is a, it is absolutely necessary for salvation that every human creature be subject to the Roman Pontiff. Ooh. Yeah. What if What if the Pope became a Lutheran? Then he spoke ex cathedra, uh, that all the Lutherans have it right. This, by the way, yeah, that's kind of that's a weird sort of thing. It's like the sentence. <laughs> this sentence is a lie. <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, it, this was blowing your plot, plot for um, getting married to a nun, isn't it? You, what was your plot? First get elected pope, then declare, then declare that the pope should be married. And I don't marry even a remember. Nun. It was a complicated plot. Yeah. It's hard to follow. Anyway. Now, now, on to the business at hand. Here are the chapter guidelines for the cult of pure doctrine. <clears throat> Dear friends, please write these down. Or you, you should write this down too, Evan, because this should be on our website. Because the Cult of Pure Doctrine is an outreach ministry of Table Talk Radio. Did you know that? <laughs> Number one. Oh, the Cult of Pure Doctrine, by the way, is copyright. Copyright. Copywritten. Number one. Each member of the cult chapter of the Cult of Pure Doctrine shall subscribe quia to the Christian Book of Concord. This is important for all of you Calvinists. We've already had one Calvinist requesting to do a cult of pure doctrine, and we decided that he his chapter could be the cult of not quite pure doctrine. <laughs> Point 1B. Each chapter shall work to promote the teaching of the Book of Concord. Guideline number two. Each chapter shall consist of at least one person. Guideline number three. That's all, these are very important. Are do you, you know, by the way, what, uh, what you get when you Google search the cult of pure doctrine? No. What do you get? Table Talk Radio. <laughs> this is never one result. Each chapter, number three, shall register with Table Talk Radio, copyright trademark, at this web email address, prbw at tabletalkradio.org. Number four, each chapter shall establish at least one ridiculous requirement for membership. For example, celebrating Martin Luther's birthday by reading Reformation hymns with a German accent or whatever. Number five, each chapter shall regularly report chapter activities to Table Talk Radio no less than one time a year and no more than once a week, but that's a bit much. Number six, these guidelines, with the exception of number one, should be considered suggestions. This is a draft copy of the guidelines. So, uh, Drafted by Brian Wolfmuller on March the 8th, Chairman Aurora Chapter, Cult of Pure Doctrine. Okay, so if, we, if you want to join this nonsense, you just send, send an email to... To to okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, now we have. I think we have. Uh, so far, we have four active chapters and two chapters under pre-registration discipline, <laughs> <laughs> because they tried to register through Facebook in violation of guideline three. They were out of compliance and deemed. Uh, and I so I put them under discipline already. So. <laughs> All right. So where do where are the current chapters? Oh man, I, am I supposed to keep a list or what? Oh, let me see. I got a cult of pure document. I, I can check this out here. We got. Uh, Chapter guideline, the polyup chapter of the Cult of Pure Doctrine, hereby requesting chapter status. That's uh, Scott Dinkman, acting chairman. Polyup chapter. What is, I don't know, is that a city? Puwallop, I think. Puwallop. Uh, Cult of Pure Doctrine Slatonism chapter. That's a non-geographic chapter <laughs> run by Peter Slayton. And we also, let's see, we have a uh, Autogamy chapter. 
registered by Brian. And then we have a cult of pure doctrine wearing fez hats. This is headquartering in Wilmington, Ohio chapter. Uh, Jared is the acting president of that chapter. So, All right. We chapters. need to hit that commercial break, and then uh, we'll get into our, our game explosion uh, right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, brought to you by the cult of pure doctrine. We'll be right back. Fez hat spreading Luther's rose are required to warn at least one meeting per year. Your very own theological court gestures. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. In Thank this you. segment of the program, we're going to play Name That Game game. And uh, this is where we just start reading something that will be the entry of the game. And the other host has to guess which game they're playing and the answer to the clues. So not sure why we're doing this, but we are. This is the ultimate, the uh, absolute ultimate in no preparation. <laughs> it's so great. You didn't prepare. I've been preparing nonstop. all day. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Good. All right. Well, are you, are you want to go first then? Sure. Uh, you mean give you something first? Yeah. Okay. May God grant that I speak with judgment and have thoughts worthy of what I have received, for He is the guide even of wisdom and the corrector of the wise. May God grant that I may speak with wisdom, and he is the corrector of the wise. Okay, so what we have before us, dear friends, dear listeners, is a quotation. (laughs) I don't think that's biblical. How do you like this game so far? Yeah, so far so good. So I don't think it's biblical, so that's uh, going to rule out something like Bible B or law and or gospel. So that leaves us with about 17 other games, all starting Name That. <laughs> it could be Name That Theologian. This could be Name That Church Body. Or it could be uh, it could be Name That Ladder. Oh, Which Ladder? Um, or it could be, well, I think it's going to be one of those. I bet you you want to know who said this. So uh, I'm going I'm to guess that the game that we are playing is Name That Theologian. Now, do you want me to answer that before you... No, no, I'll try to answer. And then I'll double down here. I'll double down. So, uh, could you read it one more time? This quote in the game, Name That Theologian. May God grant that I speak with judgment and have thoughts worthy of what I have received, for he is the guide guide even of wisdom and the corrector of the wise. The guide of wisdom. So it's a prayer. It's a a request that the person who is um, who is about to start talking is asking for God to guide his his talking. So it's like a preface to a piece of writing. And the interesting thing, the one little piece of language that gives this away a little bit, is that it talks about not what they've seen, but what they've been given. Now, I probably probably to talk about what's been given could be done in an orthodox way. 
but it also really kind of is leans towards uh, some sort of mystical reception of some sort of doctrine. At least it has that leaning to it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm kind of leaning away from a Lutheran, although it wouldn't be necessarily wrong. So, uh, lead to someone with a, a, more of a Pentecostal bent, although the piety would point to someone quite old. So I might, I might uh, put this down for um, kind of an 18th century theologian, non-Lutheran theologian, someone like. Um, Huh. Now I'm stuck. Uh, you know what? I, I I I might put this as a heretic. Something I've been given. God is excuse a judgment. I might put this as like an introduction to something that Joseph Smith wrote. I'll go with that. So the game was <laughs> the game was which century? Oh man. <laughs> Well, I guess the century. <laughs> and the reading was uh, from the Wisdom of Solomon. Oh, man. So you were looking for, I would have accepted answers anywhere from the uh, second century BC all the way up to the first century AD. Well, isn't that interesting? So is this, <laughs> I wasn't particularly close. Sure. <laughs> You got me. All right, you got me. Now, what is the? I don't know anything about the wisdom of Solomon except for every once a year we use it in the as the uh, antiphon. What's going on in that thing? I don't know. Did you expect me to have a little background on this? Yeah, but that's all right. Don't worry. Okay. I got something for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> all right, ready? Ready. Article five of the sufficiency of the holy scriptures for salvation. The holy scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation. So that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith, or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. Hmm. So Article 5 on the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, yes, indeed. So this is a Lutheran thing because... No one else talks about the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, boy, I'm trying to think. Um, your naming of Article 5 makes me think, think that it comes from the Book of Concord, which makes me think that we're playing Book of Concord B. Uh, however, I'm really trying, I'm stressing to try and think which document in the Book of Concord would has Article 5 as the sufficiency of Scripture, and I can't hammer that. But um, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to guess that we're playing Book of Concord B, and it comes from the formula. But I know that's not right. <laughs> okay, what we were playing was name that church body, <laughs> oh. and what this comes from is the Methodist Articles of Religion. What? <laughs> now read it again. No, no, no. Read it again. Of the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for salvation. The Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man, that it should be believed as an article of faith, or be thought requisite or necessary to salvation. So Lutherans aren't the only ones. Mm, indeed. Hmm. 
The Methodist. Now here, let me read to you. You heard that. That's what the Methodist said. Now let me just read to you from the thirty-nine articles of the Anglican Church. Okay. Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor be proved by it thereby, is not to be required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith of the faith, or be thought res- requisite or necessary to salvation. Okay, sounds very similar. It is, in fact, the same, because the Methodist Articles of Religion is nothing more than the cliff notes to the 39 articles. Ah, there you go. So the reason why this came up is because, remember, the uh, Anglican Church is particularly anti-Catholic, and they, so they want to say, hey, look, we are sola scriptura, and they want to say that pretty loudly, so they do, in the 39 articles. And the Methodists just pick that up, because Methodists, remember, is a revival, revivalist mo- uh, movement in the Anglican Church. Nice. No points for you. Hmm. Yeah, I guess not. Bummer. <laughs> Look, you have to at least act excited about this game. <laughs> All right. Everyone else out there is like, this is ridiculous. Everyone... But you have to at least act like it's not. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm born ready. This is why true Christian freedom begins with believing that the king who bought us back from our sin will not tolerate our use of that freedom to further prop up our rebellion, 1 Peter 2, 16. There is no, yes, I believe in Jesus, but he didn't really mean that. This root of all lies must be divorced from his kingdom as far as the east is from the west. Against it, he sends the promise, truly, truly, I say to you. Can we keep going? Or do you want me yeah, to yeah, keep going. <laughs> you need more. Uh, but God's lawful design of the world and his unconquerable gospel working to redeem the world are that, Truly that, or I should say, quote, truly that, um, which ha- which God has said, regardless of whether we believe it or not. No jot or tittle is merely truthy. Not a bit is given so that we might say, isn't that a nice story? None of it is just traditions of men. It is the stronghold-shattering, doctrine-giving word of the Almighty God, which will demolish every lawless claim and one way or another, pull out of our sinful mouths the sinless confession, amen, yes, yes, it is surely so. Oh, man. With what gusto said author writes, and you read. I'm going to guess, this is a, this has got to be a new quotation. It can't be old. This is just, uh, it can't be translated. That kind of vigor in language rarely comes through in a translation. So uh, I think it's going to be a native English speaker who wrote this particular thing, and um, and I, it sounds good to me. It's in fact this talk of God's order, and it's it's kind of a little rail against antinomianism, the the no law doctrine. Uh, we're above the law, etc. That uh, and and I think this is going to be a a new Lutheran talking against antinomianism. I bet you we're playing the the game. Name that theologian. Is that what I guessed last time? Yes. I didn't even remember that we had a game called Which Century. <laughs> I'm going to guess that theologian is, uh, I'm going to guess it's, this is the book, The Fire and the Staff, by Preuss. Is that your final answer? Yes, indeed. We'll find out if he's right after this break. <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We are playing oh, the game, the Name That Game, and uh, we'll see if Pastor Wolfner's guess of Name That Theologian with Clement Preuss and Fire and the Staff is correct after this. Don't go So I I'm sure there's no need to 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio, because cable's expensive. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Don't worry, just one more segment till we get to your Is emails. This it? Oh, okay, we got to do this for one you more. Got all excited. Yay, we're almost done. Uh, I, know. Uh, I know. I'm about to get. I'm about to get drenched with points, though. <laughs> now uh, we didn't discuss the the point giving aspect of this game. Not Are you that, kidding? This not, game is not like, that it matters in this it's round. It's cubed. Whatever points you get is, would normally get would be cubed. But I guess my is... curiosity is: Do you get points just merely for getting the game right? Yes, you of course. To... That's the hardest part. <laughs> Since you I can mean, change it, as, I get, right not after that I it say would matter. It. All right. So so far, we've read a, a quote here, and and you have made the guess that we are playing the game Name That Theologian, and you have guessed that this is Clement Preuss in the book Fire and the Staff. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you were right on the game, though. Congratulations. Oh, we are name playing that. Name That Theologian. Okay. The well, that's good. Theologian well, is do I actually. I get another guess. Hold on, it's got to, maybe, so is Lutheran? Is the Lutheran guy? I'm going to tell you. All right. It's, I, wait, I, wait, wait, I, is this double or nothing then? So yeah, I'm doubling you're, you're down. You're risking, you're wagering the points you gain from guessing the game right to get a second guess. Right, at the, yeah, that's okay. right. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to double down, and I'm going to guess this is one of these ethicists then. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, Gilbert Mylander. Boom. Shaka laka laka. Oh, oh man. swing and a miss, strike three. You're out. Oh, man, that hurts. Because you had points, but you lost them just now. You were looking for uh, your friend and mine, Jonathan Fisk, in his book, Broken. Oh, dang. Probably should read that book. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, Broken, seven Christian rules that every Christian ought to break as often as possible. And Christian that's... has own quotations. So that's kind of a miserable title. Broken, seven, quote-unquote, Christian rules that every Christian ought to break as often as possible. Jonathan Fisk. Quote, unquote. Did you have to say, unquote, after you say I think when it's word? just a single word or a phrase, you can you can do it all right there. Really? Yep. I know these I things. I know about any of that stuff. Well, there you go. I know Published by things. CPH. CPH. We love CPH. I love CPH. Okay. Good. Uh, okay, your turn. My turn. Your turn. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gilbea, in the town of Phineas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. Okay. Is that it? Mm-hmm. And I might need that one all over again. Okay. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gil- Gibeah. Sorry. The town of Phineas, his son, which had been given to him in the hill country of Ephraim. I think that we are on round two of Bible B. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what specificity. I know. That's how confident I am in this. And I think this comes from the book of Exodus. Oh, man. Exodus. Close. You are right about the game. So, 200 points, guessing the game right. Now, you want to have another guess? You want to double down? 
Hmm. Just take your points and run. I think I'll Cut take my run. points because then I'll be in the lead. All right. Well, this comes from the text of the book of Joshua. Oh. The last verse of Joshua. Yeah. That was my second guess. <laughs> I just didn't want to take it. Huh. Sure. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's right. Death yeah. of Aaron. Yeah, I just, right. yeah. Death of uh, Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Oh, okay. See, that's uh, why yeah. I got it wrong. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, there you go. So you want to do? Uh, it's also law and/or gospel. You want to do a little law and/or gospel in there? Hmm. Yes, this is both law and gospel. Um, oh. So yeah. that so I'm going to lock onto this death. Uh, so that this is the fascinating thing about death. Now, normally we know that death is law. Um, uh, God said uh, to Adam and Eve that the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so now that death is a result of sin. Um, but in the the promise of God of the coming Messiah, we have um, we have then the promise that death uh, does not win because of the work that Christ comes to do uh, eventually for for the saints of old. Um, and so now in the New Testament we come across these uh, what's called the the sweet names of death. What's the Latin for that? Dulce nomine morte. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, so that we have the the these sweet names of death that that make death kind of no big deal. So that um, you know someone says you know fallen asleep or something like this, or that that death is now a portal, uh, a portal to, to eternal life. Um, so I'm going to say this is both law and gospel. Hmm. I'll go for it. I'll 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 say yes. You don't get points by the way. You didn't get the book right, but. <laughs> it's weird how we all of a sudden start playing the game. <laughs> hmm. Anyway. Good. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, man. Born ready. Right, and on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited, and his disciples to the, to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what do I have to do with you? The hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, you do. The end. Hmm. The end. Those are the last words of Mary in this text. Jesus turning water into wine, which comes from the wedding at Cana, the beginning of the Gospel of John. I don't know what I'm trying to... Bible B would be the obvious game. I'm trying to think of what other game we play. That has to do with Bible passages. I just can't even think of any. So I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess we're playing Bible B. You want to guess the book then? Oh yeah, uh, uh, the Gospel of John. <laughs> <laughs> what do we? What game the is game, that? The game we are playing is name the uh, name that event in the life of Jesus. Is that a game that we play? <laughs> Oh, that's the game that we invented because you kept getting walloped in Bible B. Now you're using it against me. That is rude. I, didn't know I we can't had... believe hey, that. I didn't know we invented that because I kept getting walloped in Bible B. Yeah. What? You don't? You didn't know that? Maybe I didn't never told you. Now you know. Now you know where now you it came from. you made me feel from. bad. <laughs> oh. Uh, you forgot about so, that okay. game, huh? I, I can't remember any of these. I forget all of them that we play. Remember that? How we go? What should we do tomorrow? Well, what games do we play in this show? How long have we been doing this? Five years? I still can't remember. Is it make up a new game and it turns out it's just like the old game? So I said, hey, let's play this game where we guess the game. And you said, 
Yeah, we did that already. <laughs> All right. Um, anything you want to say about uh, that event in the life of Jesus? Yeah, uh, yes. So uh, it's nice. Oh, so oh, you, we mentioned that was the last words of Mary. That's significant. So the last, very last words that we have recorded by uh, by Mary are this: "Listen to Jesus," which is really quite something. Hmm. Uh, so. All right, I'm ready for another one. Okay. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. And the first to forget is the happiest. Okay, I know exactly what this is. We are we are playing. <laughs> you see, you thought you'd get away with one, but you didn't. Uh, we are playing Name That Theologian. And the, the-, <laughs> the theologian is Joel Osteen. <laughs> well, no, no. The, we are playing Facebook theology. Oh, dang it. <laughs> and, wait, wait, it, it's it, about is, the same. Is at least is at least the commenter Joel Osteen? Because then I would uh, I would still get some. Points I don't know who that. said this. It's just a big thing on Facebook. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. The first to forget is the happiest. Mm-hmm. I forgot how quickly I forgave you. That makes me brave and happy and strong. All right, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Here's a, here's a, your next entry. This game's kind of fun. <laughs> All right. You're getting into it now, Instead, huh? the chief question is purely and simply what the mind and the will of the unregenerated human being are able to do in conversion and rebirth on the basis of their own powers that remain after the fall. When God's word is proclaimed and God's grace is offered to us, can people prepare themselves for this grace and accept it, giving their yes to it? This is the question concerning which some theologians argued for many years in the churches of the uh, of the Augsburg Confession. Oh, man. That sounds an awful lot like the conversation that starts the formula of Concord, but it seems to me like it, the language is too fresh. I don't think that's how nice the language sounds in the Book of Concord. I'm, I'm looking at quality of language, but this should. So, but still, here, give me maybe the last sentence okay. or last phrase or something. Last twenty words. Can people prepare themselves for this grace and accept it, giving their yes to it? This is the question concerning what some theologians argued for many years in the churches of the Augsburg Confession. Huh. I think. Uh, this is a review. Uh, I'm going to say we're playing the game Name that book in the Book of Concord Book of Concord B And this comes from the Formula of Concord Alright, so Book of Concord B In the Formula of Concord We'll find out if he's right after this break (laughs) Another cliffhanger Alright, we'll be right back And then we're going to answer your emails after this break Don't go away, you're listening to Table Talk Radio Got it, don't go away Got it Hi, this is Dan Engel, host of Time Out. When I want to find out the latest in theologically bad bumper stickers, I turn to Table Talk Radio.
Instead, the chief question is purely and simply what the mind and will of the unregenerated human being are, are able to do in conversion and rebirth on the basis of their own powers that remain after the fall. When God's word is proclaimed and God's grace is offered to us, can people prepare themselves for this grace and accept it, giving their yes to it? That's in part the quote that is before Pastor Wolfmuller. And in playing this game, name that game, uh, he has guessed the game of Book of Concord V. And uh, guessed yeah. uh, from where again? The Formula of Concord? Formula, yeah, baby. Oh, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. The game you were looking for was Page for Points. What is that game? <laughs> You don't remember this game? No. <laughs> it's <laughs> no. page for points. If you it's like from episode two, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, you get if you get this right, you get as many points of the page number I'm on. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> so you guess? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you get uh, 543 points. Because this is, in fact, from the formula of Concord, Solid Declaration. <laughs> but now, do you have to get the game right in order to be awarded points? I'm sure you do, yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, man. But this was, in fact, from the Kolb, Kolb Winger uh, edition. Man, that that is a translation with vigor. I'll tell you what. I got okay. one more. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. The pleasure of what we enjoy is lost by wanting more. I know what this is. This is. <laughs> Wait, read it again. The pleasure of what we enjoy is lost by wanting more. Okay, we are playing the game right now. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. Uh, fortune cookie or Joel Osteen? <laughs> <laughs> and this is a fortune cookie. You're right! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Joel Osteen would never be upset at you for wanting more. You're supposed to want to open the gates. That's right. All, this stuff. <laughs> all right. Oh, I can't believe you nailed it. Buzzer shot makes Shoo. it for the win. <laughs> yeah, that's like 20,000 points. Woo! That, that's nice. All right, we want your feedback. What do you think of this game? Send us the email questions at tabletalkradio.org. All right, let's go to the voice or the email bag. We got a note from Tom who says, time to start mowing the lawn again this year, which means a whole two hours of listening to Table Talk Radio. That is a either a big yard or a slow lawnmower. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm looking forward to a great season of mowing the lawn. I might even mow the lawn twice each week just to listen to previous Table Talk Radio podcasts. My he wife can... knows I hate to mow the lawn, but time flies with you too and with Lumpy as well. Hey, he we can... haven't heard from Lumpy lately. He can mow my lawn. Yeah, that's right. You could ride behind him and just talk to him. (laughs) I wrote Tom and I said, I said, where do you live? Ecuador? And his response is Texas south, but not quite as far as Ecuador. During the winter, the grass turns brown, but doesn't grow right now. It's begun sprouting. Mowing season's begun. So anyway, we're getting close here in Oregon. We're getting a little bit closer. Right. Really? He says, by the way, he came from evangelicalism to confessional Lutheranism. Uh, and when he did, his pastor said, welcome to the insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Three years ago, Boy. somehow fighting for the faith crossed my path. I was all my life Pentecostal evangelical, but some things just never seemed quite right. After listening for a while to Chris and to your sermons, the light went on. My wife thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyway, 
Better stop there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Enough for now. I'll drink some more wine and listen to another Table Talk Radio. Thanks and God bless. That's from Tom. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Tom. We got a correction. This is from Joshua, the ex-hypnotist turned classic classicist student, <laughs> who says, Dear Pastors in Christ, just a quick correction on the comment made in episode airing on March 12th. There was a bumper sticker that Wait, said, Wait, I'm going to make a prophecy. My yes. prophecy is that he's correcting you and not me. Okay, go ahead. Go on. <laughs> Which Pastor Wolfmuller wrongly <laughs> asserted means peace. It is, in fact, much more theologically packed with Hindu belief. Namaste means I salute the God that is in you and that is also in me. As Hindus believe that there is an ultimate reality in the form of a god, some say Brahman, other Vishnu, other Shiva, others say it has no name, that resides in all things. The belief in how far this varies, some may say have a part of God in our soul, others say we have no soul or consciousness at all, and all things are God, including ourselves, uh, and we only think we are individual beings. This, of course, stems from the Upanishads, where after a lesson to his son, a man says regarding salt dissolved in water and Brahman in us, that thou art art. That thou art. That thou art. Just that little word uh, has far-reaching implications and is much more than just a greeting, something to think about next time you're greeted by a Hindu. For if you say that back and bow back with hands pressed together, you are agreeing with them that we have our God, Pax Christi, the only Son of the Father and the only door to salvation for the whole world, Joshua. Hey, thank wow, you, Joshua. That's great. Thank you. Now, is this, this so? Just to recoup, Namaste means peace. <laughs> <laughs> just make now, sure I got the gist of that email. Th- is part oh, of that man. involved when uh, you like go to yoga class? Is that is that? Do you say of? Namaste when you go to yoga? I don't know. That's my question, Josh. We need well, your help. What did you say, What did you say last time you went to yoga? Uh, shalom. <laughs> Shalom. You start punching each other in the face. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? Oh, man. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, good. I didn't get any emails. Do you have another one? We've got. Yeah, man. I got tons of emails. Uh, let's see here. Did we read this one? This is from Josh. Oh, is this the same Josh? How come everyone's named Josh? What in the world? This is a different Josh. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you surprised that there's more than one Josh listening to our radio program? Look, I, 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 mean, I quoted chances? Joshua, and of, now we have emails from two Joshes. Of the ten listeners, two of them are named Joshua. Just creepy. <laughs> creepy. We got, we got like 40% of our show is astrophysicists, and 20% <laughs> of our listeners are named Josh. And 50% weird. of those are hypnotists. <laughs> I wanted to quickly respond to your response. About an argument from silence. Oh. Oh, yeah, this is mine. I, d- yeah, I responded to Josh, actually. You want to do it on air? Yeah, go ahead, read it. Okay. Uh, about your argument from silence and using it for do- other doctrines. A show in the Bible where Kool-Aid was used or where grape juice and crackers were used or where someone did a baptism and other names. My argument was that many wives were taken by the patriarchs and no condemnation was made and these men were blessed by God. So what you're comparing to my argument isn't the same. All that being said, referencing the parallel of husband and wife to uh, to church and Christ is something I hadn't thought of uh, for arguing for one man and one wife. Thank you for that. Uh, I did want to thank you guys for the work you do. You don't have to take my questions to respond to them or even do the podcast. I thank God that you do. God's peace. That's namaste. <laughs> Stop it. Don't, don't listen to him. <laughs> Joshua. All right. Yeah, thanks, Joshua. And, and uh, I, I wrote back to Joshua uh, individually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I conceded, yeah, that probably isn't the same uh, comparison. If you remember, the argument was uh, um, 
that uh, if we're going to be saying so, so his uh, first email was that you know since the Bible doesn't forbid uh, you know or because in the institution of marriage it doesn't explicitly say you should only take one wife, um, then that would give open the door to take um, many wives. And uh, I, I I made then the comparison that um, because in the Lord's Supper the Lord didn't say. Um, you must only use wine, then you, you're open to using, um, uh, you know, Kool-Aid or something like that. So I conceded that that, that comparison probably isn't the same. However, um, the, the point of all of this was that when we look at the institutions, when God has instituted something, um, which he does from time to time throughout Scripture, um, that we must take then the words of our Lord and uh, see that as the institution so that we, we don't need um, God to prohibit something when he's making an institution because by the institution— He's saying what we are to use. That was the only argument. Ah, got it. All right. Yeah, perfect. So, thanks, Josh. Yeah, I got another one. We got time for another one? Uh, yeah, we got two minutes. This is from this is from Richard. He says, "You said in Table Talk Radio episode two hundred and thirty-three. How many of these have we done? Too that many. Cranky curmudgeon is the new cool. Did I say that? <laughs> I don't remember. That, that is an awesome thing to have said. <laughs> I, I mean, can't I probably, remember. I probably said it then. Yeah. Well, oh, here I see. I, I'll notice that the email was sent to me. This is you didn't Dang get this email. It. You uh, didn't read the read this. Cranky uh, curmudgeon is the new cool. The more I think about it, the more I conclude that you're really onto something. I put a lot of thought into that conclusion. <laughs> and here are the two pieces of evidence that Richard gives. One, the grumpy cat meme is all over the Facebook recently. I find grumpy cat endearing, so I'm not sure what this says about me. And number two, the following quote from a book I'm reading to acquaint myself to the arguments and perspectives used by those trying to undermine the Bible and Christianity. Quote, the secular study of the Hebrew Bible or any sacred text is animated by a spirit of critique. The motto of our enterprise might just as well be criticize and be damned. We are bound by honor to cast aspersions on the integrity and historical reliability of the holy documents. A secular exegete reads much such works in heckle mode from the secular Bible. I fail to see how this approach can possibly spun in taking religious seriously. So there you go. Cranky wow. curmudgeon, the new cool. The new cool. Well, uh, I have to say all of our listeners get about 200 Table Talk Radio points for enduring this edition. And thank you for listening <laughs> to Table Talk Radio. Where the points... Are like that game that we played sometime. Church you history headlines. To Table Talk you remember that? The voice I can't believe you didn't show play that. Of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll free one eight hundred three eight five SOLA. That's one eight hundred three eight five S O L A. Or send us an email. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.